Reed's Ranch is proud to part of Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, personal injury lawyer. If you find yourself in a situation needing one of those, well, use the one who supports us. Marcos Garza and his team have a combined 80 years of experience. They're the best in East Tennessee. I told you that. Before you say guilty, say Garza. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. Will Warren joins us for this basketball edition of The Ranch. We talk about a little bit about Tennessee's number one ranking, but mostly uh, things that are worrying us about this team. Take that as the defense and maybe Admiral Slump. All right, let's get to the show. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on the point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. All right, patron cast for the basketball team, your number one ranked basketball team, Tennessee, 1-0, 1-0 so far as the number one team in the country. Last week, you know, obviously worked out pretty perfectly since we've talked, Will. Uh, were you surprised to see Tennessee jump Duke so, so? I guess, blew them out in the ra- in the rankings? Just It wasn't even close. Yeah, I was a little surprised. It was such a convincing uh, leap because I, I think I texted you or somebody that Monday morning. It was going to be like 38 to 40 first place, so it's probably pretty split. Tennessee would be number one, but it wouldn't be by a wide margin. Then they go out and you get 48 of 64 first place votes. Yeah. And then like Duke... Did Duke even have the second most number one votes? I feel like Virginia might. I feel like they might have been even split, you know, for like between a couple teams down there. Uh, But yeah, Tennessee was a convincing uh, number one ranked team. And then Vanderbilt on Wednesday, you looked like you were going to blow out Vanderbilt. And then it seemed like you might be repeating (laughs) the 2008 disaster in Memorial Gym and losing to a inferior Vanderbilt team now in 2008 that team was you know every bit as good as Tennessee's or at least oh. you know at least in Nashville they were every bit as good as Tennessee's team but I, I was gonna say this one would have been about five times worse for me because the uh, this Vandy team you know they're they came in uh winless in the SEC they left winless obviously but you know winless in the SEC a team that lost at home to Kent State a uh, team that I personally watch struggle with uh, UNC Asheville for 25 minutes in Nashville on New Year's Eve. Uh, it was just, it's not a good team, and Tennessee just farted around for, you know, 36 minutes before saying, Grant Williams, can you win us this one? And that was, he ended up being able to do it, but... Well, they came out and jumped out to that 15-2 to lead, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a statement, and the next thing you knew... that they, they turned on, they let off the gas for sure. You think it was that? You think it was them letting off the gas? Or you think it was just Vanderbilt 
started hitting threes and getting fouled and just Tennessee got sloppy. Like, you think it was an effort issue? Because when I, when I hear letting off the gas, I think of a effort issue. I think there is a little bit on the perimeter defense that's an effort issue to me. You don't see guys closing out hard. I, I think Bowden did a pretty good job of it. But out of the rest of the perimeter defense, the perimeter defenders, I thought Schofield had a brutal night. Lamonte Turner has been really bad on the perimeter for four games now after having a good year defensively last season. Uh, you know, maybe I guess maybe it's not as much they chose to let off the gas as you know that that game continues to expose some serious issues they've got on the perimeter defense that you know would keep them from making the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw your statistics. About just how bad the the perimeter defense has been. You know, sorry, the, sorry that Houston cucked you on those. By the it's way, it's all right. the The catch and shoot <laughs> threes. You know what? It was ten of fifteen in the Vanderbilt game. Eleven of thirteen against Alabama, where where teams are getting wide open catch and shoot threes against Tennessee. Like, and when we say wide open, Tennessee doesn't have a defender within three feet. Yeah. That that sounds like an effort issue. Or maybe just guys like Pons who are grading out really bad as individual defenders, maybe getting exposed a little bit with with I think more yeah. more run against better teams. Like I mean, say what you will about Vanderbilt, say what you will about you know Alabama. They're not great. Alabama's fine. Vanderbilt's probably bad or at least underachieved this year. But they're better. They're better than the Tennessee Techs of the world, and they're yeah. better than like the non conference schedule outside of you know Louisville. Gonzaga and Kansas. Like, right. I, I would I would say that Alabama and Vanderbilt are both better or at least on par with like Wake Forest, right? Yeah, or Georgia Tech or any other. Yeah, like all, all those. So like, you've really only had three games where in the non-conference where you were tested, and then we'll say Florida's a good team. Outside of that, I would say that these other teams that you've played this week are just as good as anybody you've played. Yeah, kind of thing. and obviously, I don't think that's entirely Tennessee's fault. Uh, you know, when they scheduled those Georgia Tech and Wake Forest home games, they probably expected one or two would be, you know, a little better than they've been, not bottom three in the ACC. And with West Virginia, you had no control over them going from preseason top 15 to winless before last week in the Big 12. Yeah, we'll but, get to West Virginia in a second because they seem like they suck. Yeah. They seem like they really suck. Uh, we got the patron YouTube screen stream going on. Uh, Mr. Bojangles says, no matter how you slice it, that first loss is going to feel awful. Yeah. It's going to be like we had this discussion on the radio yesterday. I said, like, we were talking about level of concern in this West Virginia game. I said, my level of concern is one. Yeah. That this is, to me, this might be the easiest game left on the schedule. Oh, really? Well, I was going from it just from an idea of like, I don't think Tennessee's going to lose, but I feel like this would be the easiest loss to take. Now, maybe if you look at the number yeah. one ranking and you would lose that on Monday, it, would hurt, but I feel like it's not a conference game. Tennessee is has been flirting with this. Like it, some people keep saying, you need a loss to reset, you know. And, and I'd hope that that was something that would happen after Alabama because that felt as much of a loss as you could have without losing, right? Yeah, against Alabama. So I was thinking maybe maybe that's the loss that you needed, but you actually won the game, so you get best the best of both worlds. And then you saw the first five minutes against Vanderbilt, and you're like, yeah. This team is refocused. They're ready to come back out. And then you had, you know, a collapse over the last 30 minutes of the game or so, or, you know, you played like a average SEC team for the last 30 minutes or so. So maybe it is going to take a loss, or maybe this is going to um, 
need a reset, need to refocus, because when you're sitting here and you're telling me these defensive numbers and you're saying that you think it might be an effort thing, that's kind of alarming because this team, maybe it does need to be a scrappy underdog. Maybe it does need to have a chip on its shoulder or something because so far through one game, at least, uh, them being the hunted led to some lazy defense. Yeah, and uh, but I, I mean, we both thought it was pretty lazy against Alabama on the perimeter too. And you know, people have correctly said like this defense hasn't looked the same since first half Arkansas. And you know, wh- whether it's Tennessee, just I obviously I think Tennessee just let off the gas in that game. And I don't think it's any uh, issue with Barnes per se, where it's you know Barnes is not uh, you know harping them enough on this because I'm very confident he is. Like I, I'm pretty sure he's been laying into them about this for several days now but it's just strange to me to see you know every other part of Tennessee's defense has functioned fairly well like they you know in all three of these games Arkansas Alabama Vandy they got uh, opponents to turn it over on 19 percent or more of the possessions then they didn't allow many offensive rebounds to either Alabama or Vandy and they were actually fairly efficient at the rim for the most part it's just the perimeter defense has been so bad it's allowed teams to stay in games and this couples with Tennessee not hitting shots the last two times out maybe we'll see a refocused team today maybe we'll I, see I, I a think, refocused team today at home I think you will uh people are asking about Admiral you know there's the rumors going around that he's sick that he's had the flu since you know last Thursday which would kind of explain the poor performances the last two games I don't know if that's true. Uh, like I said, I know that yeah. that's been kind of the uh, the rumors around the athletic department. All, all nugs presumed true. Sure, and um, we it feels like something's off the admiral. I mean, it could be just a little bit of a slump. It could be that, but he have he hasn't obviously been the uh, the same player. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's I don't I, I don't know quite what Tennessee does today to fix it because you know as as I mentioned in the preview West Virginia is a very bad shooting team at least with Vandy it was you know in the past Vandy's had shooters on there uh, all of the guards can shoot from three and you know really when the starting lineup they ran out all but one of the players could shoot so you knew you know if they started hitting a couple maybe they get hot but you know it was inexcusable to have so many of those wide open so what does West Virginia do well does West Virginia shoot like is this going <laughs> to well. be a is this going to be another problem today because you know against Vanderbilt you gave up a lot of open threes and they hit a pretty good number of them. Is that going to be an issue with West Virginia because to me when I think West Virginia I think of just uh scrappy press try to get layups otherwise not going to be able to really do anything in the half court especially yeah. uh with a bad West Virginia team which this year's team is a bad West Virginia team. Yeah, well, the as I, I mentioned in the preview, but there's two things they do well uh, outside of transition offense, which they're surprisingly fine at. Uh, they rebound the ball a lot on offense, and they get fouled a ton. Okay. Other so, than that, they can't do anything. So they get fouled a lot by big men, by guards, like hand checking, or a little bit of both. Like, is this a going, Grant Williams? going to the rim? Okay, is yeah. this like a Grant Williams potential foul trouble game? Yeah, I, I do worry about that because the his matchup is one of the best in the Big Twelve at drawing fouls. Okay, he's not good at hitting shots, but he can draw fouls. Okay, so something to keep an eye on is Grant Williams staying out of foul trouble. Yes, and th- that's why I think Tennessee might go to his zone quite a bit today to avoid fouls. Because, like, so West Virginia, number 259 in field goal percentage, 
275th from three, 223rd from uh, two. They don't hit free throws really either. They're below average in that. They shoot a lot of threes. They just don't hit them. Uh-huh. There's, no, there's no rotation player on their team hitting more than 36% of his threes. So okay. you can feel comfortable letting them shoot from the zone. So maybe this isn't a game where you even have to worry about playing the uh, the the tough perimeter defense. Maybe you just let these guys shoot. I, I, I don't know, but uh, not good for the, I guess, demanding effort. Uh, you know, we've been worried yeah. about effort. Maybe they're looking at, like, ah, oh, man, this West Virginia team sucks. We don't have to play good against them. Maybe we get another sleepwalking performance, but I hope not. But And, I mean, it's not to say you can't guard threes very well in the zone. Mm-hmm. We've watched teams do it all the time. Syracuse is a great perimeter defense yeah. when they're on. Yeah, and so if t- if Tennessee and I don't know that Tennessee will run out of zone today, I just think it'd be a good idea. But you know, well, s- it does s- seem it does seem like Tennessee has been uh, flirting with different styles of play. Yeah, you know, trying to prep for potential tournament matchups and you know just other other things down the stretch. Like I think that's maybe it's not, and maybe I'm just trying to be positive about this team. But it feels like this whole switching one through five thing is. A potential matchup thing moving forward like they yeah. want to get these reps in against teams like Vanderbilt that way if they play a good team where they're going to have to to do that you know because it, it killed them against Florida right like you know yeah. Kyle trying to chase shooters around and try to run over screens you know it, it hurt them yeah so maybe now they're trying to say well we need to get this in our repertoire maybe this would be a good opportunity to play zone because I do think if there's a potential matchup against say Duke the best way to stop Duke so far this year has been play his own defense. Like because they, they can't shoot threes. Right, that's so. what's bothered them the most. If you watch the Gonzaga game, Gonzaga ran his own at him for a while, and they didn't really know what to do against it for a good you know, a good portion of that game. And they figured it out at the 10-minute mark of the second half and, and made a run and almost came back and won the game. But for the first 30 minutes, their offense was abysmal. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you watch the Syracuse game, now, again, they didn't have probably their best shooter in Cam Reddish and – and Trey Jones went out, but that zone defense of Syracuse bothered them a decent amount, or at least kept kept Syracuse in the game and allowed them to win it. So maybe Tennessee needs to uh, work on the maybe work on the zone defense today, and this would be a good opponent to do it against. Right, and you know, it, it's it's a the best thing about the zone to me is that you can kind of plug and play different defenders in there, and you can even hide a bad defender in there. This would be a good opportunity to run Pons out in the zone today, for instance, because I think Pons has been pretty bad the last few games. Same with Turner. And, you know, Admiral, we, we know he's a great defender when he's locked in. I think he, you know, maybe the sickness is a real thing, and he just hasn't been as good lately on that. But he, he generally has been a pretty good defender this season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and, you know... With with some of the perimeter defense against Vandy, it's like I can't fault them. Like when Grant got switched on to Saban Lee over and over, and Saban Lee was hitting dribble up threes when he was Saban Lee entered that game six for twenty six on the season from three. I'm not gonna fault Grant for that. Yeah, that that's that's just a guy who had a random good game. If we go zone, do we see Jalen Johnson today? Yeah, yeah. I, I, he, well, ha- he hasn't he hasn't really gotten any run. Well, I, I mentioned this in the the preview. I haven't had a chance to read the preview. Will I've been working nonstop. Just, just okay? look at it. I haven't had a chance to read it. I'll read it eventually. Like, oh, I'll, you, I'll read it at tip time today. I'm letting you tell me about it now. Oh, hey guys, it's Cool John. I'm too busy to read Will's preview. That's not true, but <laughs> I just haven't read it. So don't tell me that you wrote it in the preview. <laughs> just tell me about it. So Jalen Johnson, you think if they go zone? Is a guy who could get some run again because if you look at his recent game log, like um, two minutes against Arkansas in a blowout, 
after that, hasn't played since, you know, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And Georgia, of course, is a blowout, too. And he got 11 minutes there and 11 minutes against Tennessee Tech. So, like, you know, he hasn't really been in the rotation. But if Tennessee's going to play bad defense anyways, maybe you try to get somebody who's at least can hit some shots out there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be, I w- I th- wouldn't be surprised to see him out there today anyway, considering in the two biggest blowouts of SEC play. I, I know Missouri was a 24-pointer by the end, but, you know, Tennessee trailed by nine in the first half that had struggled for a while. Jalen Johnson's gotten play in both, and I expect this one, you know, in all likelihood to be a Tennessee blowout. Jalen okay. Johnson really should get, you know, five, six, seven minutes today. Okay, okay. So Tennessee in a blowout. I mean, I saw where Tennessee was favored fifteen. So like, yeah, it, and I think that's too low. Okay. I, I what was your score prediction? I said Tennessee eighty nine, West Virginia sixty eight, and personally, like based on Ken Ken Palm says it should be eighteen. Bart Torvik says it should be twenty. Uh, I I didn't. I genuinely did not understand the 16 opening line. I thought that was a few points too low. So if you're inclined to be betting. What do we think of pawns? We got a comment in the YouTube stream about pawns. Like at what point do we start you know, wondering if he is a basketball player or just an athlete? I think that time is here. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think like that, always... time's, that time's been here for two years. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's always been a part of the discussion is just how good Pons can be now. You know, putting him in the starting lineup has has helped has helped Jordan Bowden, mm-hmm. and of course, like Jordan Bowden is your closer, and you know Lamonte and and Bowden are definitely your top six guys. You know, in your top six guys, and and Pons isn't. Pons is more like the seventh man, but who's starting? And yeah. I don't mind that he still starts. Like I think yeah. it's worked. You know, you're number one in the country. Like he's maxing out at about 14 minutes lately. So. Do you think this is, you know, Pons is going to keep these minutes moving forward? Do you eventually see a change? Like, as soon as Tennessee loses, does that give Rick Barnes the freedom to go back and tinker the lineup and put Bowden back in the starting lineup? Does it matter? What are your thoughts? I think, well, first off, I think it'd be dumb to change the starting lineup based on one loss, regardless of the event surrounding it. Well, I don't think that it would be because of the loss. I think it would be because of the games prior to the loss, but you just not making a change while you're winning. Well, right, but I, I just, I don't, I mean, okay, yeah, like, you know, don't break up a good thing while it's rolling, but sure. if, you, if you know Pons isn't worthy of starting, then don't start him. I feel like that's pretty simple. But uh, to, to me, I, you know, I was a little upset about it on uh, Wednesday night during the game because it, it felt like Pons played 30 minutes in that game for some reason. Like, yeah. I kept seeing him on the court every time Tennessee had a defensive breakdown. I was just like, all right, enough of this. But, you know, I went back and looked. Pons only played 14 minutes again. That's the second straight game he's played 14. Yeah, he's definitely losing minutes. In SEC play, he's only playing about 14 a game anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so no, he, he's he, playing seventh man minutes. Yeah, no, he is. He's a starter who quickly goes out and... You bring your better players in, and it kind of it, it allows you to stagger your minutes a little bit better. Like yeah. it allows you to stagger your minutes a little bit better, especially with with Bowden and Turner there. Like your bench can come in, and if you take an Admiral or a Grant out, or if you you know, it allows them to get a rest while you're you're having good players coming off the bench rather than hitting the ten minute mark, obviously, and having your entire starting five a little bit gassed, and you go to Pons. Yeah, at that point, like, and then like I hated the lineups of you know Pons and Fulkerson. Yeah, being I, out there at the same time, like I think you should avoid that at all costs. I have a serious issue with all Pons Fulkerson lineups. I have a big issue with Fulkerson Walker lineups yeah. too. And there were times it would be all three, like Pons yeah. Walker in. Well, they they uh, ran Fulkerson. that against um, God, who did they run that against? Like Florida or someone? Yeah, I mean, I want to say they ran against Kansas too at yeah. one point. There, there was one game because I remember being very mad. <laughs> they ran out Pons Walkers and Fulker or uh, Walkerson same thing. and Fulker. Walkerson Fulker. Those are their new names. Yeah. 
Um, no but, one would really care. Not really. Uh, but it, it's just kind of you're at the point where Pons is starting to look a little lost on off on defense at times. He's already he's looked lost on offense his whole career. But mm-hmm. defensively, he he looks you know on switches and you know corner threes especially. I've noticed he looks like he doesn't quite know what to expect, like where a pass is going to go or where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that that started to get frustrating because you know there are real positives to his game. He's an athlete. He doesn't mind taking on the opponent's best shooter. And he's a really good shot blocker, like you know, even not only at the rim, but I think in space he's an excellent shot blocker. And obviously, he's a great house of highlights guy. He can dunk the ball a lot, so there's yeah. real positives to it. And he's hyper efficient at the rim, but he doesn't offer you anything from three right now. He he's like I said, he's getting lost on defense. He turns the ball over a lot too. So I, I think you're at the point where you can't really play him, especially against the Kentuckys and. Uh, Mississippi States and LSU's and Ole Misses of the world, you can't really play him more than 12 or 13 minutes in those games. All right, let's get to some uh, questions. All right, let's hear it out. Give him six sights, says, does Admiral have the flu or the yips? I definitely don't think he has the yips. No. Like uh, the yips, the yips is much more drastic. The yips uh, puts you on the bench and sends you into a dark spiral like like yeah. what happened with Markel Fultz. Do you, remember, do you remember that guy on Wisconsin like four years ago? He was like an 80% free throw shooter, and then one year he just could not hit any. Yeah. He like shot 40% for the season. Yeah, Those no. are the yips. Yeah, nothing like that's happened. Like he's struggled a little bit. It could be because he's sick or it could just be a slump. But, you know, in the Alabama game, he still hit two clutch buckets yeah. with under he, four minutes left. And against against Vanderbilt, he hit the game-tying bucket, right? right to, he hits right. the shots you need, which is important. So I don't think it's – it's definitely not the yips. Maybe he's struggling – Let's and I, see and how I he looks today. There, there's a there's a GIF in the preview. Uh, it's Vanderbilt hit a. It was when they hit the three to tie it at 55, I believe, where he just gets totally lost in a switch. Like it's like his brain shut off for a second. And, you know, I've never seen that from him before. So I think it is. He's lethargic a little bit. Could be sickness. So Kenny David Cody uh, asked the same question. Basically, he says if show uh, struggles during against or excuse me if show struggles against West Virginia Saturday how worried should we be so let's say he plays a third straight bad game at what point do you uh, get concerned about Admiral I I only really get concerned with him where it's like he he avoids the rim he's not driving he's not crashing the boards he's not really going after someone on defense and I haven't seen that yet I think it's just sort of a simple cold streak I will say I do get frustrated when he's shooting these threes with 22 seconds on the shot clock. Like he did that twice against Vandy, neither went in. He's shooting a lot of guarded ones too, which is pretty disappointing for somebody who had taken a lot of unguarded shots in the first uh, 15 games. I mean, I, you know, at the beginning of the year, whenever you know he got off to a, a little bit of a slow start at the beginning of the year, and I was like, you know, the NBA talk might be getting in his head a little bit. Obviously, he rebounded really well against Gonzaga and looked like the best player on the court. Uh, but even going back to that Kansas game, you know, he was a little bit off that Kansas game. But I, I think I think we do have to recognize, like, Schofield wasn't going to shoot 50% from three forever. Yeah. He was due for a cold streak. He's one of ten the last two games. That's okay. That I'm not concerned about that. Because, like, eventually you're just going to miss shots. Pretty impressive that he is one for ten in his last two games and still shooting 42%. Right. That's, and, still, that's still pretty impressive. And, and the... I would say the more concerning thing to me is, you know, he didn't go to the rim once against Vandy. There's He had zero layup or dunk attempts. He went to it five times against Alabama and three of them missed. But he shot, you know, he shot eight mid-range or, you know, 
non-rim twos against Alabama and one win in. So that is a real concern. So if it happens again today and he struggles again today, what do we what do we do? Uh, tell him to go to the rim. It's like the, I'm sorry, but like this guy has muscles the size of Jupiter. I, I, I my hypothesis why he's not shooting more free throws this year is people get out of his way when he goes to the rim. Does Jupiter have big muscles? I don't know. It's just big. Okay. Is Jupiter well, big? Is it the biggest planet? I I, I majored in English. We'll ask people. I mean, chime in. if you majored in English, I thought you'd have had a better like analogy <laughs> to go there or a better I th- metaphor. I think I'm pretty sure it's the biggest planet. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I was just wondering. This is not an astronomy podcast. I just podcast. Did, did not see that coming when you said he had muscles as big as I was waiting, like Hercules, something like They're that. They're large. It's yeah. like, I don't Bobby know. Lashley, Brock Lesnar. I don't know. I thought those, we were going- definitely those YouTube guys who run the gyms with all the fake weights. He's yeah. got those muscles. Yeah, I mean, Michelle from Dodgeball had big muscles. I thought we were going with something there. Jupiter uh, caught me by surprise. Anyway. So... I would say, and a, a real concern to me is that I didn't. I thought he was terrible on the boards against Vanderbilt, especially. I mean, and that was I, the thing, I, that was the thing against Alabama was like he shot four for seventeen from the field, but he still got you eleven rebounds. Yeah, like he was still active. Like you yeah, know, that, that to me that's the sign of a great player is like when your shots aren't falling, you're still contributing, and yeah, he was doing that. And against Vanderbilt, not so much the case. Six points, four rebounds, like. Battled foul trouble a little bit, but still played 30 minutes. Like, he should have more than four rebounds in 30 minutes. Yeah, and not only that, I thought Tennessee's effort on the offensive boards was pathetic. You, you, I, I think they, they ended up with something like a 16% uh, offensive rebound percentage, which is the percentage of missed so- miss shots you got. Yeah. Which is the lowest, the second lowest they've had in the last two seasons. Huh. That, that's bad effort to me. Like, you have to go and crash the boards. And I, I know that... The officials were pretty bad both ways on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, sorry, sorry that people love to complain about Grant Williams getting star calls, but well, he's number like two or three in Player of the Year voting. Yeah, so tough. But I, I thought all around it was you know maybe you're afraid of getting the over the back calls or you're afraid you're not going to get a call when you go up for a board. But Tennessee still should have been going at it. I didn't think Alexander had a good game. It, there's a lot that can be fixed today just by crashing the boards and getting second opportunities obviously no need to say it but yeah grant williams single-handedly won that game yeah single-handedly won that game all right let's get the questions rolling uh the uncommon fan says seth cuck discuss do you think seth's a cuck no i don't i don't think how would how would he be a cuck that's my curiosity i don't know i mean i just i read the questions Walker says, I don't really have a question. I just feel like we should be talking more about how good Jordan Bone has been. Yeah, did you see the stat from, uh, I, I don't remember who tweeted it, but Jordan Bone has no turnovers in his last 77 minutes of play? Because he had one at the very beginning of the Alabama game and then didn't turn it over again since then, right? Like in SEC yeah. play, he, he's got like a 7-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio, if not better. Like he's been, he's been awesome. Yeah, and we both thought that would, you know, level out over time to where it's like three to one or three and a half to one but it's been really really good there was i mean i don't want to start nitpicking and and start trying to to add a turnover but (laughs) there was a moment in the vanderbilt game like when things started going bad where i remember he threw the ball to bowden and it was should have been a turnover and bowden dove on the floor and saved it for him so like that streak did get bailed out a couple times by you know just hustle from other players which is fine but the no turnover streak is nice. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get caught up in like just how many minutes he plays without one because 
I do think there were a couple instances where he should have had one. But the larger point remains, like, Jordan Bone takes care of the basketball. Yeah, right? which, which like, is huge. Because, uh, you know, last year I thought he was very good. Uh, toward, he was good at times with uh, taking care of the basketball, but it's clear he's on a different level this year, and he's a better passer, too. Yeah. It, it's been fun to watch his level of progression the last two and a half years. I thought he would have about the game he had against Vanderbilt. Now, his point total basically all came in like a – a six-minute stretch, it felt like, where he <laughs> yeah. where he dominated a, a good six-minute stretch and then some late free throws, but just an all-around solid game from Jordan Bone. Uh, point guards, where does he rank in the country, mm. in your opinion, like in terms of just best point guards in the country? Uh, I don't know about in the country. I think he's at least a top two or three point guard in the SEC, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know who's playing at the point guard level higher across the, the SEC. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Ole Miss's guy is really good. Is he? Okay. But I, I would say, like, I, I don't think I don't necessarily think he's playing better than Carson Edwards at Purdue, who's like a legit player of the year candidate. But sure. I would say he's he's up there. He's put his name up there, too, with this, you know, the turnover list streak, the the passes. You know, Being on the number one team in the country. He's shooting a lot better, which is critical. And, you know, the outside shooting is very slowly coming along. It, because of that early season cold streak, he's still at just 18 of 65 from three after shooting uh, 34% for his career. Yeah. So, I don't know. And But he shot two of three against— 18 of 65. What does that come out to? About 27, 28%. Okay. But, uh, you know, against Vandy, he hit two of three. He hit two in the first five minutes, I believe. You know, he hit two of five against Florida, two of five against Missouri. It's coming around. Okay. So, I, that doesn't really worry me as much. I, I think it was just— you know, sometimes from outside you just get in a super cold streak. And considering the rate he's hitting mid-range shots at, like he's still hitting them at 46%. Like, the threes will come. Stephen Moore says he'd like to hear Will break down the defensive philosophy or solutions for when teams spread us out. Essentially, we're leaving the baseline for teams to attack and run their offense from there. Feels like Florida did this to us a bit. And both Bama and Bandy killed us on the kick and drive. Or the driving kick, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And uh, dances with Pac-Man, basically, I'll lump it in. Ask if we've always sucked on pick and rolls and screens, or is that just something we had uh, start, or just something that started happening now? I'll, I'll answer those in order. Defensive philosophy, I think we're getting sucked in a lot on those uh, driving kicks. Especially, you know, like the, I, I'm, you know, like maybe Schofield or Pons, whoever's on the court in that spot. You know, they're getting sucked in a lot, which is leaving guys open from the corner. And if there's one thing we know from basketball analytics the last 10 years, you don't want to leave a corner three open. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's like the that's like the simplest – that's the simplest um, – The most idea. efficient shot in yeah, basketball like, other than a layup. Yeah, I mean, that, that one is something that everyone should kind of uh, recognize. Like, you know, that was the first, quote, analytical movement was, you know, 12 years ago, Greg Popovich putting Bruce Bowen in the corner and saying, here, you just stay here and shoot threes. And, you know, he really kind of uh, tried to make that where the Spurs benefited the most from, right? It was just, right. you know, they, they really tried to attack the corner three. So that one is the— I mean, like, Boogie Cousins hits threes all the time now from the corner. Yeah, like that. that is one of the more basic concepts is it's a short shot that's worth more points. So Tennessee is struggling at giving that up. Yeah, and I mean, like, like I said, I'm not going to fret about Grant Williams, you know, giving up three threes to Saban Lee when Saban Lee is just dribbling up to the line and shooting them. It is what it is because that kid wasn't hitting them at all this season. But on those corner threes like Neesmith, I think, hit two or three. Matt Ryan got a couple wide open ones, uh, both in the corner and from the top of the key. 
uh, Tennessee struggling with getting sucked in at the rim because I think they've put so much of their identity on uh, great interior defense because it was it was excellent last year. It's been awesome this year because they've blocked a ton of shots at the rim, as I think anybody who's watched this team would know. And you know they're they're allowing a lot of three point attempts. I think they're down to like two hundred and twentieth in the country and. Uh, percentage of field goal attempts that are from three like that that's not good but uh, if Tennessee is serious about limiting those they I think the zone might work I think some sort of packing it in and uh and not getting sucked in these drives and kicks uh would work Uh, you know obviously you need help defense at times but you have Kyle Alexander down low you have Williams you have Schofield I, I just feel like Tennessee shouldn't be getting sucked in on that as much you have to leave guys out to defend those shooters, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're playing four on five. So what about with the screens and the well, mostly just the pick and roll action at the top? Because you know Alabama really exposed Tennessee on that in the second half. Is that just something as simple as you need more versatile defenders on the floor? Like that, like Alexander's just going to you know if you can stretch him out and make him go up and guard the pick, like Tennessee's just going to be scrambling because. Grant and Admiral can't defend the rim. Like, is is that just something that's going to really affect Tennessee moving forward, or is that something that can be fixed? I think they can defend the rim fine, but Alexander turns it to a whole nother level, as we saw against Loyola right, last year. Right, right. I mean, they they're they're average or, or a little bit above average, and Grant uh, Kyle Alexander is really good. Yeah, at defending. the He's rim. He's an elite so, rim defender. Right. So if you have him and you ha- and you have some action where you could take your big and put him. Up at the top, that's going to really hurt Tennessee's defense. I, I think there is a real fear of running into a team either in the tournament or in SEC play here, where they've got like a six foot nine or ten center that can pick and pop and hit threes at like a thirty five percent rate. Like having Alexander defend that is going to be a real issue because I'm sure his natural inclination is to turn back to the rim. But especially we saw it against Florida. Like yeah. yeah, I mean Florida, Florida beat his ass with it. Yeah, but on I think for the. You know, Louis Fernandez of WBIR and I were discussing it the other night. Uh, t- Tennessee's really struggled with the roll man on the pick and roll this year. I wasn't as upset with the you know Vandy scoring off the ball handler side of the pick and roll. It's when when you get the easy layup at the rim, or when the the pop man is you know there's no defender within seven feet of him because Alexander run ran back to the rim. That is an issue, and that wasn't an issue last year. I thought Tennessee defended the pick and roll as good as anyone last year. That takes us into Thomas's question, and then we'll wrap this up. But he asked from a statistical standpoint, where's the defense right now compared to uh, last year? It seems a, like the defense last year is head and shoulders better than this year, is what he writes. Um, I don't know if I would classify it as you know a giant stark difference, because last year there weren't as many great defenses in college basketball. Tennessee... You know, they had a, on Ken Palm a 92.4 adjusted defense, which got them sixth. This year, they're 94.3 and they're 24 spots lower. Yeah, ni- the 92.4 from last year would get you 17th this year. Okay. I think there's just more competition for great defense, which makes Tennessee's look a little worse in comparison. But, uh, you know, there are real issues. Tennessee's allowed a point per possession or more and. Four of the la- or three of the last four games, you know. So overall, for the full season, Tennessee's defense has still been good. Yeah, it's top thirty. But the last couple games, where we're like, do you have where like where those performances would rank? Like if you just took like a the four game sample size or the three game sample size, because it feels like Tennessee's not ha- has not been a top thirty defense over the last three or four games. It feels like it would rank uh, much much lower. But at the beginning of the year, it seemed like Tennessee was playing good defense. 
Right? Yeah. It seemed like against Louisville, Tennessee was playing really good defense. It seems like you know against Kansas for portions, Tennessee was playing good defense. So yeah. do you have where that would rank just in the last three games? Just pulled it up. Uh, the last the last four games, uh, it would be a .986 adjusted defense, which would be 96th best in okay. the nation. So yes, the last four games have been bad, but I think that does obscure the fact that the first – 14 or so we're all generally pretty good outside of you had a couple blip performances like louisville got 81 and 75 possessions oh, never mind Met, about the uh, good performance against louisville but that was still like in that game that was still i pointed that out you know tennessee gave up 22 catch and shoot threes but they guarded 18 of them yeah louisville just got hot yeah it is what it is memphis got 92 on 80 but i mean that that's still you still had a lot of great performances early in the season that's what i thought like i, I thought that you know Defense has still been good this year, but yeah, when you look at the recent streak, it has been really, uh, really bad. And to to me, the key difference is they're giving up quite a few more three point attempts than last year, which so far had been offset by them blocking more shots in two and being a two point better two point defense. But now that teams are hitting these unguarded threes, it's becoming a real issue. In the patron YouTube stream, Grip points out the uh, the backdoor cut seems like it's been uh, busting yeah. our heads. The 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 cuts to the basket have really been crushing Tennessee as uh, over the last couple games. I thought Dante Hall in Alabama really did a good job of those. So we can't stop the backdoor cut. We can't stop wide open threes. We can't stop the pick and roll. It seems like this team sucks. <laughs> but yeah, they're I, but it, it is in the country. It's it's kind of it's an interesting uh, conundrum because I feel like we are being a little hyper hypercritical of a team that is probably the best in Tennessee history. Yeah, best in Tennessee history and on a you know historic thirteen game win streak. Although I do think you have to look at the signs and you know. Now that you are ranked number one in the country, you're going to really want to make a Final Four, right? Like, yeah. that, that, that's kind of the new expectation, and you have to look at some of these things that could derail that. And, you know, honestly, with the way Kentucky's playing, the way LSU looks, and the Tennessee's schedule being backloaded, like, I'm still not convinced this team wins the SEC conference. Like, I think they will. I hope they will. I think they win regular season. The conference tournament's a whole other thing to yeah. me. Yeah, well, I mean – even with the regular season, like I thought Tennessee would have a little bit more of a lead on Kentucky mm. before Kentucky kind of figured things out, but it seems like Kentucky's figured things out earlier uh, than usual. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to address today's game, I'm not as worried from Tennessee's perspective. This is not a deal where it's like Vandy has a lot of in like historically fine shooters that can get hot at the right time. Like you wouldn't be able to recognize anyone in West Virginia's roster because they're on their twelfth starting lineup of the year, and the one NBA guy you knew basically has quit the team. Okay. He he, he the 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 story goes like he he's got like some sort of shoulder injury or something, and he hasn't played in four weeks. He's fine to play. He doesn't want to play for West Virginia again. I was a little worried we were headed that way with uh, Luante. Yeah, I was a little bit worried that we were headed there with him and his shoulder issue, but. Have you seen anything out of him that makes you uh, feel good, feel bad, concerned? Like he's been what since return, in your opinion? I feel bad about his defense. I've I've made that note a few times, but I think you know I, a couple people had asked me to do a, a story on Lamont, the shooting arc for Lamonte. Uh, you know, pre-injury versus post. Right. It seems like he shot a lot higher. Yeah, but that's been rectified the last few games. Like, he hit three against Missouri, two against Florida, three against Arkansas, two against Vandy. Like, yeah. he's fine now. But, uh, uh, well, yeah. quick look ahead to uh, next SEC game. Just real quick at South Carolina. 
Is that a game Tennessee should be worried about? You know, people are kind of fretting about this game because South Carolina's on that little SEC spurt. You yeah, know, you like beat, what, 5-1? Five 5-1, and, one? Five and one. and to credit to them, you beat, uh, at least right as of now, two Tier 1 opponents there, Florida and Auburn. Mississippi State might end up being a Tier 1 by the end of the year. The other two wins aren't bad either. Missouri's not a terrible team. Vandy took Tennessee to the wire. Uh, it's this. These are good wins, but we can't ignore the fact that in these games, especially uh, Florida, Vandy, and Auburn, South Carolina trailed for the majority of the game. They got hot at the right time. They made buckets at the right time. Auburn led that game 77-75 with 30 seconds left. That that part of that to me is just South Carolina's. You know, you and know, like, Auburn went more telling to me was Auburn going into that game, you know, favored by like eight. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina's playing good, but I still don't think they are uh, a good team. No, and the the although the, I mean, like they had a good atmosphere against Auburn and played good, and of course they're gonna have a good atmosphere against Tennessee, who's gonna most likely come in there ranked number one. Right, but. I mean, in this SEC run, they've had four games decided by five points or less, and they've won all four. Yeah. That almost never happens. Yeah. Like, the average deficit against Florida was six. The average def- deficit against Vandy was five. Traditionally, teams win about 10% of those games. Like, you know, if you played both those games ten times, Florida would have won at nine. Okay. The odds of you winning both are extremely low. So their, yeah. their time for aggression is coming. Okay. But that doesn't take away from their good start, of course, but... Uh, I, I just I don't find myself as worried about it as some people are, and this does this is obscuring the fact South Carolina is an awful shooting team. Okay. All right. Well, appreciate the time. Patreon.com/slash Reed's Ranch. Uh, his his previews are the best in the biz. Subscribe. Many many people are saying this. I myself have not said this, but many people, mm, many you, many yeah, people. You told me to say that. <laughs> you told me to say that. Appreciate everyone for uh, watching along on YouTube. I'll get this up for the the public, and uh, we'll ride. I'll talk to you next week, Will.